It's our last formal show of the year, the last regular show of the year. It's going to be a big show. Uh, we're going to look at why the Bitcoin price went from 18,388 back to 17,517 after yesterday's FOMC meeting when we actually got exactly what we thought we were going to get at the FOMC. So I'm going to show you uh, what happened. Also, Kevin O'Leary has officially declared war on CZ Binance and CZ has responded. And I'm going to show you the war between Kevin O'Leary and CZ. Then I've got some alpha for you about Phantom, about a, another blockchain, which I think you guys should be looking at. And then we'll maybe say some goodbyes and do some Q&As uh, until I see you guys again tomorrow. Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, and then they got gold. Gotta wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up. Get up. <laughs> nice try. I got you. I got you. I got you. Last time this year, bro. Welcome back, guys. Nice to see you guys again. How did you sleep last night? How was how was your sleep last night? For those of you who've just woken up, how did you sleep last night? I'll tell you one person who who didn't sleep so well was SBF because this is where he slept last night. Um, apparently, they tried to bring him vegan food, um, but. Uh, there's no they wouldn't let the vegan food they wouldn't let the vegan food in last night uh apparently he's in good spirits though for anyone who really cares he is in good spirits and not only is he in good spirits but apparently there's no more rodents they apparently have cleaned out the the, the jail cell of rodents so it's not that bad um if you didn't have a good sleep just keep thinking to yourself well you had a better sleep in sbf um it is our last regular show for the year. When I say our last regular show for the year, tomorrow I'm going to the World Cup with our sponsors. But get, um, hopefully I'm going to get. I think I'm going to get to meet Leo Messi. I think I think that's part of the agenda. I really hope so. Um, and I will have my laptop with me. If anything happens, I will be broadcasting. But otherwise, there's not going to be like regular broadcasting. And then you know, then, then we're going to Christmas. Then we're going into New Year's. So I'll be intermittent. Carl is doing a show tomorrow because he forgot to do something today. That's it. So. Yeah, quick show tomorrow. Uh, Sheldino is skiing in the Swiss Alps. So if you're anywhere in Switzerland and you want to go and meet Sheldino, uh, you can do that. And we'll just all have a break, but we'll be on Twitter. And most importantly, we'll be on Discord. So everybody is live on their Discord. If you want to be in the Discord, throw a link below. Use it, click, click, click. Upgrade yourself to VIP. Also today, uh, we are giving away Bybit giveaways. And we will, when we do intermittent shows, we'll catch up on all the days. So if you haven't signed up with a Bybit link below, um, make sure that you do sign up. No one's won the 50 grand yet. No one's won the 20 grand. No one's won the 10 grand. There's there's lots of prizes to go. All right, let's um, let's get straight into the alpha. Um, someone says the bottom is when the show stops. Sheldina living life, my man. If only you knew how well the guy was living life. He's amazing. Um, I am trying to get Mr. Wonderful on, but he's been very busy. As you can see, he was at, he told me yesterday he was at the, at the Senate. He told Fred yesterday he was, he was at the Senate and he was testifying and whatever else. All right, so let's look at uh, the alpha, because remember, that's the deal here. I bring you the highest alpha per minute show on the interweb. You just like, subscribe. You are nowhere near the 600,000 that you promised us by Christmas, which means that we're still 6,000 people short. So please subscribe to our channel. Um, so this is what happened yesterday. We had the FOMC meeting. We got a 50 basis point rate hike. We got actually exactly what we wanted, but Bitcoin went from 18,400 to 17,524. Looks like the market is digesting what they heard yesterday. And it's the same thing every time. It is the same thing every time. The market always forgets in between FOMC meetings that Powell is going to come out and say exactly the same thing. He's been saying the same speech every single time. I'm going to show you that in a second. Dixie, 103.641. So still very much printing that lower low right now. 
Then we have BNB back at 264. That's because of the bank walk. I'll show you what's happening when it comes to the bank walk. And then Solana at $14. was close to $15 yesterday. So that's what's happening on the market. Let's quickly, 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 because I know Powell is a very, very boring man. Let's quickly just review yesterday's FOMC and why the market responded like it responded. And I kind of knew there was going to be shit when, when um, he started. Because I know that when he starts like this, when he says, before I start, I just want to say, then you know that that it's not going to be a good a good speech. So listen. Good afternoon. Before I go into the details of today's meeting, I'd like to underscore for the American people that we understand the hardship that high inflation is causing and that we are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal. So when someone walks into a negotiation or walks into a speech and he starts off with like a big statement, like we know how you're feeling about inflation, you know he's going to be addressing inflation more than the easing of interest rates. Because he could have said, good afternoon. We know that interest rates are causing those, those of you that have mortgages and credit cards big problems. But he didn't say that. He said inflation. So you kind of knew immediately that that's kind of where the whole thing was going to go. Then he spoke about inflation. He says, look, we need to keep tightening because we're not where we need to be. Over the course of the year, we've taken forceful actions to tighten the stance of monetary policy. We've covered a lot of ground and the full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Even so, we have more work to do. So he has more work to do. Then he spoke about the positive inflation that we've had because we have had some good inflation data. Remember, what the 12-month change in the CPI was 7.1% and the change in the core CPI was 6%. The inflation data received so far for October and November show a welcome reduction in the monthly pace of price increases. But it will take substantially more evidence to give confidence that inflation is on a sustained downward path. Okay, so that's what he said about inflation. Then they spoke about the dot plot. And remember, the dot plot is that piece of paper, or that, that chart that, 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 um, where they plot, all the Fed officials plot where they think interest rates are going to land up. So this is what it looks like. And you can see that what they're doing is at every, in, they say, okay, where do you think interest rates are going to land up in 2023? And they said, okay, 4.25% to 4.5%. Then they say in 2023, where is it going to land up? And you can see that the majority of them say it's going to be between 5 and 5.25. Then there are a whole lot of them that say between 5.25 and 5.5. And then there are a few lone people that say 5.5. And so you can see that they think that the, the interest rates are going to do this and they're going to come down like that. And then that's what Powell started speaking about. And I want to show you. Um, let me show you. There we go. Let's, let's play it from there. Such as housing. It will take time, however, for the full effects of monetary restraint to be realized, especially on inflation. In light of the cumulative tightening of monetary policy and the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation, the committee decided to raise interest rates by 50 basis points today, a step down from the 75 basis point pace seen over the previous four meetings. Of course, 50 basis points is still a historically large increase, and we still have some ways to go. As shown in the SEP, the median projection for the appropriate level of the federal funds rate is 5.1% at the end of next year, a half percentage point higher than projected in September. So that was the bombshell. The bombshell says the bombshell said that he said that interest rates were going to be 5.1%, which is higher than they forecast in September. So what I want to show you is I want to actually show you um, where what people are thinking that the interest rates are going to be. Uh, going forward because what they, they need to get from 4.25 to 5.15. Um, and so that means that they're going to increase by 75 basis points. So right now there's a 72 and a half percent probability that in Feb we'll get a 25 basis point rate hike. So this is right now, it's looking like from now till Feb, it's going to be uh, pretty, pretty chilled, pretty uh, safe going. They are, however, also watching PCE. So remember that they're watching PCE inflation and they think that PCE inflation is going to come up and then actually start coming down. Um, and that's pretty much where it is. Look, let's just summarize it. Yesterday's, um, yesterday's FOMC was a nothing burger. It was like a nothing burger. Nothing we didn't know. Interest rates are going to continue to go up. We know that. Um, 
They're going to continue to go up until inflation comes down. Inflation is coming down at a decreasing rate. We know that. And I don't know why the market reacted the way that it reacted. Anyway, be that as it may, I think that eventually the market will realize that we have interest rates now starting to pause. There's only 0.75 left to go according to their estimates in the next 12 months. So we'll probably get a 25 basis points in Feb, maybe, maybe, maybe a 25 basis points in March, and then, well, maybe a little, a little bit of a break. So that's um, run the macroeconomist uh, out for the year. Uh, now let's talk about the war between FTX and and uh, the war between Kevin O'Leary specifically and Binance. And let me tell you that these guys are going at each other like crazy. Okay, so started off with Kevin O'Leary's testimony yesterday where he spoke about how he invested in FTX. I mean, let's just listen to it quickly together. These crypto technologies is astronomical in sale and scale. In August of 2021, nearly three years after I started capital capital to the crypto sector, I entered into with FTX to be a paid spokesperson. I was paid approximately 15 million for these services, plus approximately 3 million to cover the portion of the taxes due. Of the remaining amounts, approximately 1 million was invested in FTX equity and approximately 10 million in tokens held in FTX wallets. The equity is now most likely worthless and the accounts have been stripped of their assets and interestingly, financial records. I've written up all off to zero. Because I was a paid spokesperson, paid spokesperson, however, I never invested any capital from our partners or LPs in FTX. The capital loss was from an operating company. I mean, so he says, look, I was paid $15 million to represent FTX. We know that. That's a big warning sign for you guys. Because how many times did you see Mr. Wonderful coming on this show and many other shows and telling you how wonderful FTX was? Well, now you know that he was paid $15 million to do that. He's now written off the $15 million. ...that I had 100% ownership in. I'm using my own capital to pursue record recovery of the FTX accounts so I can conduct a forensic audit. The truth of this situation will be discovered by following the transaction trail after obtaining the records. I've applied for membership on the FTX Creditors Committee in connection with the bankruptcy proceedings because I feel obligated to pursue the facts on behalf of all stakeholders and believe my perspective of this situation will be helpful to the other credit committee members. So that's him in the beginning of his testimony. The next part of the testimony is when he throws CZ Binance under the bus. And this is where you can kind of see that he's overly loyal to FTX. Even though SBF is in prison, he's overly loyal to FTX. Just listen to, let's listen to this and let's realize where the war is. Why do you believe FTX failed? I have an opinion. I don't have the records. Here it is. These two behemoths that own the unregulated market together and grow these incredible businesses in terms of growth were at war with each other. And one put the other out of business intentionally. Now, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's nothing wrong with love and war. But Binance is a massive, unregulated, global monopoly now. They put FTX out of business. So Binance is a, a, re, a, a unregulated global monopoly that, that put FTX out of business. And then he went on to testify, I mean, to, to talk to CNBC after this. Um, let's quickly just listen to it. I think it's worth, I think it's worth a quick listen. So growth, we're at war with each other. And one put the other out of business intentionally. Now, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's nothing wrong with love and war. Binance is a massive, unregulated, global monopoly now. They put FTX out of business. Now, lots of other reasons, I'm sure, but that's my personal opinion. That is what Sam Bankman-Free told me in terms of where the assets went. Kevin joins us now live. He is a so Melissa Lee then asks Kevin. She says, "Look, it wasn't like it wasn't like." Um, uh, Binance was the one doing irregularities and taking money from FTX and putting money into Alameda. And Kevin O'Leary says the following. He says, where did this shit begin? The shit began when FTX was going out to the regulators to try and get licenses in all jurisdictions. And the regulators looked at the cap table of FTX and they said, hold on a second. Binance owns 20% of FTX. And if Binance owns 20% of FTX, we're not giving you the, uh, the, the licenses unless you give us certain documentation and certain information. 
And his claim is that SPF said that CZ wouldn't give them the information that they required. And so they couldn't get licenses because Binance was on the cap table with them. So what did they do? They bought Binance out. Well, how much did they buy Binance out for? Let's listen to what he says. So let, let, me, let, me, let me actually take you there. How much did they actually pay to buy out Binance? This is, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. And you can start, you can start seeing this narrative that Kevin O'Leary has started to, to, um, to drive. So let's listen a little bit. Only the first time I talked to him, I said, Sam, 24 months, where's the cash? Keep it simple. We don't have to get complicated here. I don't hear about the trading. Just where'd the cash go? Use of capital off the balance sheet. I'm a balance sheet cash flow guy. Walk me back. He said, I think I spent $2 billion buying back stock from CZ. I said, $2 billion? Day later, I'm starting to think about this. I call him back saying, look, I'm gonna end, I just got called to testify in hearings. I got to have the real information. I got to have the truth. Was it $2 billion? Yes or no? He said, maybe it was $3 billion. Huh. I said, so, $3 billion. Can- So his allegations are that SPF took $3 billion of customer funds, and he did this to buy out CZ, to buy out CZ and Binance, because they wanted to get Binance off their cap table so that they could get more regulation. This is, you can see now, this is with the part where he reveals his intentions. Okay, so let's listen. Um, yeah, this is the part where he starts revealing you know, his he intentions. Said maybe it was $3 billion. Clearly have um, some choice words for, for Binance. It, it almost sounds like you think that that was a great trade for Binance. I mean, short of the company going bankrupt, they 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 made $3 billion, $2 billion. Whatever Sam Bankman paid right, for Melissa, that get, stake, they right. made that. It was a brilliant move. But if you right. think after what happened today on the U.S. Senate floor, it's going to make it easy for Binance to get licensed anywhere on earth. I don't think so. Right. I don't think right. so. So you see, this is the whole play here. He went to testify to try and make Binance look so bad because he knew that everybody was watching the testimony. And so he, he said it himself. He said, well, yeah, just let's listen to that part again, because I think it's worth listening to again now that you have context. They You're right. made that. It was a brilliant move. But if you right. think after what happened today on the U.S. Senate floor, it's going to make it easy for Binance to get licensed anywhere on earth. I don't think so. Right. So he's, you can see he's gone out there to make sure that Binance doesn't get any more licenses uh, around the world. A lot of people are questioning Kevin's position because he's a paid spokesperson. He's getting paid $15 million and he feels, it feels like he's overly loyal to, F, to SBF. And a lot of people are, asking, are starting to ask, ask a whole lot of questions, like uh, Patrick Bet-David. What war with each other? Uh, he's asking questions. Um, Peter Schiff. Okay, Peter Schiff always ask, asks questions. He never has the answers, though. always has the questions. Um, and Binance responds to this by saying, look, the best way to, to, to debunk the fight is just to get more licenses. And he announced two more licenses that they got in Guam and American Samoa. Carl. Jimmy, do you want to? Do any of you know where Guam is? Yeah, it's not far from Hawaii. It's, it actually has nice beaches and it's good for golfing if you golf. Fantastic. Raymond, Raymond, you win yourself a well-rolled joint. Uh, um, with with uh, Indica inside, amazing. Okay, James, do you know from your hands for five dollars? Do you know where American Samoa is? No, not good at geography. Sorry. Yeah. You win the prize for the most improved, most improved scholar this year. <laughs> All right, so that is. That is what's happening here. Binance is now CZ saying, look, it seems that um, not only uh, changed Kevin O'Leary's, the 15 million not only changed Kevin O'Leary's mind, but it actually made him even align with a fraudster. So that's the price. Um, okay, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. The one thing that Kevin O'Leary did do is he really shut up Senator Karen. This is one of the people that I hate most in the world. And he shut her up. So just listen to this. So Mr. O'Leary. I know that you are a big supporter of crypto, even after you lost $10 million in FTX's collapse. As loud as it goes. But you are an...
experienced investor. So let me ask you, do you believe that the potential benefits of crypto are so promising that we should accept weaker anti-money laundering rules and weaker compliance from crypto firms than we require from banks, from brokers, and from Western Union? No, I think we should apply the same regulatory structure that we apply to existing trading of stocks and bonds on exchanges tied to broker-dealers. That is not complicated. It's already been implemented in other countries. And so, and I, I, I take issue, Senator, with your concept that it makes it easier to do money laundering. Currencies have been used for drug trafficking since the, since the 60s in the American dollar when it was thrown out of a pipe or aircraft in a duffel bag. The American dollar is also used by bad actors all the time. Mr. O'Leary, I, I appreciate your point that everyone tries to engage in money laundering. That's what terrorists do. That's what drug company, uh, drug uh, uh, dealers do. And that's what states like Iran and, uh, and North Korea have done. The only point I'm trying to make is should the same rules against money laundering apply to crypto in the way that they apply to banks, to stockbrokers, to credit card companies, to uh, Western Union. You and know, I think your answer to that was yes. Is that right? No. Mr. O'Leary, you, you have 30 seconds. Keep your answer short. Here, it's 30. not yes. I'm just saying if you know your client rules on both sides of the transaction and use a, a crypto such as USDC that is regulated, you solve this problem, Senator. See, even there, he's shilling USDC because he's an investor in USDC. Even, look... Kev's been on our show. We like Kev, but I mean, guys pay to shill. You can see. Same thing with Circle. He's paid to shill. Last time he came on our show, he was shilling his Canadian exchange. I mean, that's how he makes his cash. That's, that's you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. Um, look, the bad news is that Senator Karen now took the opportunity to introduce a new bill in front of Congress, which is a bipartisan bill to crack down on money laundering, which would, in, which would make us all. Um, expose all our, our wallets, our non-custodial wallets. And, you know, at face value, this looks pretty scary. It's a very, 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 very scary bill. I read it today. I don't think you should read it because it's very, very boring. Seven pages of the most boring stuff that you've ever, ever uh, read. And it's a very, very, very scary bill. And she's, she's taking a huge opportunity here. To, to, to She's capitalizing on maximum FUD to try and screw the crypto industry. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll tell you why you shouldn't worry. Because we've managed to dig up Elizabeth Warren's track record. In her, in her decade as a senator, she's introduced 315 bills. Only one has been enacted into law. That's a success rate of 0.32%. So really, really, really nothing to worry about. Listen, on another note, I see our research group has sent me an interview with CZ on uh, CNBC the players that are still out there. So one thing that got look, it full disclosure. I haven't seen it, but we can watch it together. What do you say? Let's watch it together. So the first thing is here. Yeah, they're saying at 0049, he talks about withdrawals. Let's go listen to zero because 17 minutes. We, we can't listen to 17 minutes together. Kind of withdrawals that would put us under, under any pressure. But that uh, I think is a, a very bold statement uh, to be making. How are people and why should people trust that their money is safe at this point? So I think the uh, thanks Andrew for having me. And um, the well-run crypto exchanges should hold user assets one to one. So user deposit Bitcoin, we hold it in Bitcoin. We move to a cold wallet. We keep some in the hot wallet, and people um, they sell it. Now the Bitcoin belongs to somebody else, but we still hold it in the cold cold storage. People can draw, withdraw a hundred percent of the assets they have on Binance. We will not have an issue at in any given day. So um, 100% of users withdraw 100% of assets, we, we'd be fine. This is very different for traditional financial people to understand because banks run on fractional reserves. And the traditional regulators, many of them may think that it's okay for crypto businesses to be running on fractional reserves. That is not okay. Um, in crypto, there's no central bank printing money to bail out banks when there's a liquidity crunch. So um, crypto businesses have to hold user assets one-to-one. Okay, so at 208, he speaks about USDC. Around customers wanting USDC. It, it, looks, it, it looked, at least from this vantage point, that what was happening here uh, could have been avoided if, and, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, you allowed customers to deposit and hold USDC instead of what it looked like was that you auto-converted them into your own exchange dollar. Am I wrong? Uh, 
that's a minor corrections. Um, so number one is we do the auto conversion into BUSD, which is not issued by us, uh, which is not the exchange dollar. Um, it's actually issued by a New York DYF uh, uh, licensed entity, um, Paxos. So um, the reserves are in New York. Um, it's a stable coin. The problem we had before is we have many different types of stable coins on Binance. And you know, Bitcoin trades against USDC, Bitcoin trades against BUSD and the USDT, um, there's TUSD, there's a bunch of other things. And it's very difficult for users to find the best price. So we said, okay, they're all stable coins and they should convert one to one. So let's combine all of them into one, into one so that the users just go to, they want to buy Bitcoin, they go to Bitcoin BUSD. I mean, I think he was more trying to get BUSD dominance and he was doing it at the expense of USDC. Um, and that's the story. But I think we've, we know that already. Let's go to 502 because at 502, apparently they speak about Binance credibility. Disclose that Binance holds about $60 billion of crypto assets. Uh, but thus far, uh, you haven't disclosed your liabilities. And I wonder why that is and whether you will. Yeah, so we are working with firms to do the uh, audit of financials, li liabilities, et cetera. Very simply, Binance does not owe people money. Binance does not have loans from other companies, from other funds. We just, we just don't have it. You can ask any fund in the, in, the, in the ecosystem. You can ask any VC. We actually do, also do not have VC investments. So we don't owe anybody any money. And uh, we also do not have loans to other people. Uh, I think he skipped the question because I think the, lab, the assets is what you hold, but the liabilities is what you owe your customers. Let's see if he talks about that. Um, that we depend on for our next payroll. So um, we are very simple, very self-contained type of organization. And uh, we manage our cash very simply. So FT, that's very, very different from the FTX situation where so people who are hurt by FTX are now worried about everybody else. And, and they were defending FTX before. That's why they have money on FTX. So, but just because they're bitten by one snake doesn't mean that every other animal uh, is the same. For the CZ, you're in a business. Obviously, it's not the same, as you pointed out, as, as maybe a bank. But it does, I mean, it relies on confidence to some extent. And the easiest way would be to publish a real audit by a respected audit firm. Why is that so yeah, hard to so do? Why is that so hard? So uh, it actually doesn't, in our industry, we don't depend that much on trust. Uh, we, de we depend on very much on verification. So, you know, two days ago, people wanted to withdraw. We didn't have an issue. Um, and um, uh, the USDC thing was fixed in a couple of hours, you know, like within an hour when the bank opened. And uh, so um, we, uh, everybody, every other asset works just fine. And we are working with auditing firms. Interestingly, many audit firms are kind of scared to work with crypto businesses. They don't want it. You know, there are a few audit firms that audited FTX and they got burned because they give the stamp of approval. And I don't know how they did the audits, but the audits don't reveal every problem. So, no, but, I, um, but an audit from a audit big four auditor would reveal that, CZ. If you could right. get a big four auditor to say that, if, if you're saying that some of them don't want to work with you, that raises questions too. They, they don't want to work with you because you don't have the files and the data that would make them feel comfortable signing off and and giving that stamp of approval? Uh, actually, many of them don't even know how to audit crypto exchanges. Um, they, don't, they, don't, they don't really, when they, so that, when they audit, the they're they very used to auditing a firm. Um, they don't know how to audit uh, uh, user assets, different blockchains, et cetera. So I think that capability may or may not be there. Um, but you know, many of the top leading uh, uh, right. uh, audit firms, they're much more comfortable in the traditional financial space. Right. Let's go to 940 and listen to what he said about the Kevin O'Leary segment. So that's about here. So I haven't seen this, uh, as you know. Yesterday, uh, Kevin O'Leary testified in, in front of uh, the Ooh, Senate. the war. And he was asked, where did the money go? Uh, meaning the FTX money. And he suggested that one place that the money may have gone is, in fact, to you. Uh, when Sam Bankman freed back in 21, the summer of 21, effectively bought out your stake in the company. How concerned are you that that money uh, will be uh, clawed back? Uh, are you prepared uh, to uh, hand it back to creditors if, in fact, they were to ask? And was it paid to you in U.S. dollars in some other kind of currency? Well, first of all, I think um, Calvin um, O'Leary, um, he's making a bunch of nonsense claims, and they don't make sense. They don't make any logic. Um, he shouldn't be making those claims as a celebrity investor. I'm actually very surprised that he's able to omit a lot of different things and make some really uh, 
specific <laughs> uh, targeted things. For example, in that interview with you guys, that in the same interview, he said the entire record of the, from his account on FTX, the entire records are gone. He's not concerned about that. He just picks up the phone and calls the SDF. He's not concerned about the fact that the platform records for users are gone. He's not concerned about other users. How many people can pick up the phone and call SBF? And he says he was talking with SBF up until the point that he was, SBF was arrested. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's an indicator point. of a very special relationship. Yeah, I see your point. And, and I, I, don't think that, I don't think the problems at, that existed at FTX were simply any back and so, forth between your two forms. It, it, it definitely yeah. led to the disclosure that there had been money that was taken, but that disclosure raises lots of questions about firms like yours. Have you yeah. done the same? Has there ever been commingled funds? Have you ever taken any of the client's funds and done anything with them? And again, why yeah. should we believe you? Because Sam Bankman-Fried told everybody, no, that hasn't happened. And he tweeted a lot of the same stuff that you've been tweeting in recent days, which I think gets yeah. back to this idea of show me the money. Yeah. So let's get back to show me the money part. So Calvin omitted the fact that there's no records. That's not a problem to him. So he just want to talk to Sam and believe whatever Sam says. He doesn't want to look at the records. And if you look, and he wants to omit all the small spendings, $50 million, $200 million, $200 million of small spending, that's very convenient. He says he didn't know that Binance was a shareholder of FTX. So he invested in FTX without looking at the cap table. But he was very specific in the way he counts for a transaction two years ago. So that's kind of contradictory. So um, I think Calvin's a liar. So um, I think he's lying about, about a bunch of stuff. So that's okay, his but- problem. To us, we want to be transparent. We want to set the golden standard for reliability, solidness in the so space. Do it. And we're, so, we're taking so a number so of But let's go but just back to, back to the, the, the specifics here. In 21, Sam Bankman-Fried said that he bought you out, your stake in the company. I imagine he, would tr- he transferred funds to you, likely somewhere between 2 and $3 billion. Is that right? I remember it was $2.1 billion at the time. And okay. a big chunk of that is in FTT tokens, which are now worthless. So he sent you FTT tokens, and you believe that, that the majority of the $2.1 billion was that? Um, it's a combination of, um, I believe it was a combination of BUSD, BNB, and FTT. Um, I don't know the exact combination now, but it's probably about, um, I, I don't remember exactly, but FTT is a big chunk. And that's why we still have, like, you know, we... Even after the FTT price dropped over the last year, we still had $500 million worth of it, uh, $580 million worth of it on the day when we transferred from the address we received a year and a half ago. We never touched it. We actually actually kind of forgot about it. And then um, we transferred it on the blockchain from that address we received to Binance.com, and that got picked up by the community. So in this, in this industry, everything is very transparent. Well, but, but my question to you is a, a, both a bankruptcy uh, judge and potentially others uh, could seek, uh, like they did in the, no, in the case could. of uh, Bernie Madoff, frankly, I mean, to, he bought two uh, shares. to seek to uh, claw back that money and you prepare that. to Come send that money to them. And by the way, I mean, I, and maybe this is uh, a risk to, to your firm. You know, some will measure it as uh, the value of FTT today. Some may measure it on the value of FTT at the time. So if you had to send a check in U.S. dollars for $2.1 billion, could you? So I think we'll leave that to the lawyers. Um, I think our legal team is per- perfectly capable of handling it. My expectation, though, just from common logic, is that there was a lot of spendings um, after that transaction uh, in, the, in the more recent times FTF's done to, you know, Miami, you know football stadiums, uh, referees, sponsorships, uh, even yeah, to you're right. himself. But what, would you be able to dollars. handle it if somebody asked you for $2.1 billion back? Would that be okay? Would you be able to still withstand things? We're financially okay. Yes, baby. We're financially okay. Including you have $2.1 billion to give away. If somebody came to, reclaw, <laughs> to claw that back, you'd we'll, still be fine? We'll, we'll let the lawyer handle it. Our fin- we are financially strong. It, I must say, it feels a little bit like they, 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 got, they, they were much softer on SPF. It feels like. I mean, these, these are the same people interviewing SBF. They're you know, much softer I, on SBF. You, the $500 million that you guys spent on Twitter, where did that money come from? Are you confident in that? Do you have additional money? And the reason I ask these questions is, again, you guys aren't FTX, but FTX was making a lot of investments in other places that turned out to be customers' money. Where did you guys get the money for the $500 million investment in Twitter? 
we don't use customers' money. We have revenue. Our revenue comes from trading fees, and we have very solid revenue. We do not spend on crazy advertisements. We're, we're okay. And we paid, the, we paid the Twitter investment already in cash. was done. It was not customer money. That I can guarantee you. Cici, one other related question, uh, which goes to uh, interest-related products. The way interest-related products work, from my understanding, the way you can actually capture the interest to create some semblance of profit for yourself is to effectively lend those shares out, uh, typically for people to then short them. That's, that's how this all works. Um, is that changing, uh, given what's happening, what's just happened with, with FTX, and have your, your either lending standards or how this all uh, works shifted? So um, the, there's different types of those type of products. Um, there's what FTX doing is that they just take customer money without permission and give it to Alameda to trade. And that's a very different situation than when a user puts uh, their money into a program, say uh, a earnings program, and that is used for other traders who are on the system who are properly uh, margin monitored. Um, and if they go through their margins, then they will be liquidated. Um, so um, the way we do that is we do have a program called Earn where people can put their uh, money into a program Good to earn answer. interest. That money is used for other margin traders to borrow from. And we actually, re sometimes we do run out because the demand, demand supply um, sometimes don't, don't match up. But the money never leave the platform and we do margin controls for those. Uh, we do risk management from those for margin traders um, just across the board. And uh, so we we don't have a we don't have an account with unlimited leverage uh, like Alameda had on FTX. That right. is very different. Okay, uh, CZ, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, so I think it was a good interview. I mean, CZ did it does look a bit tired. I'll be honest. I mean, I know my friend CZ, and he does look a little bit tired. But I think it was a good interview. I think it was a good interview. And um, I think that uh, there's a, a big war going on, and that's the story. Anyway, let's move on to uh, the next story. We've got lots of we've got lots of stuff to talk about because that segment in our show was not really supposed to be here. This is a, a brand new segment. This is where SBF spent a night last night, guys. First night that SBF spent his night there. Um, this used to be a rat-infested place, but um, look, someone did try and bring him vegan food, but they didn't allow them to bring vegan food. Next question now is who else is going to get arrested and when are they going to get arrested? And Remember, the, 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 the New York Attorney General, he said, the U.S. Attorney General, he said that they're not going to stop now. We are not done. Now, what it seems like is it seems like Caroline is working with the feds. Um, it also seems like we now know who the $20 million man is. So remember that the SEC said that they gave $20 million to the whistleblower on FTX. So we now know who the whistleblower is. The whistleblower is none other than this guy over here, his name is Ryan Salami. Salame. Salami. And I know him. I've seen him at all the conferences. Um, he's he is um he he is the guy that 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 uh, reported. You can see that on page uh, 49 of his document, which is it says the FTX is a little company duly incorporated under the laws of the Bahamas and is registered. Uh, regrettably, the commission was informed today by Ryan Salame, who is the chairman of FTX Digital Clients Assets, um, which may have being held with FTX Digital Assets. He says, he says, assets which were held with FTX Digital were transferred to Alameda. Alameda and FTX Digital are related companies, specifically Mr. Samuel Bankman-Fried is the founder of Alameda and this. The commission understood Mr. Salami's advising that the transfer of client assets in a manner which was contrary to normal corporate governance. So it looks like this is a guy that reported it. So maybe he's pushing for a better sentence. He is one of the big donors to... I don't know, was it Democrats or Republicans? I think he's a Democrat donor. Let's have a look here. Uh, no, he is. He is. He's, he, he, here we go. He's, he's a Republican donor. And um, yeah, so maybe that's what they were arguing about. I don't know. Um, all right, the next one that, that could go down, as we've said before, is... Okay, so just one more point. Salami and SPF were buying condos together in the Bahamas. They spent $256 million together. So at some point, these guys are working very well together, but then the relationship must have turned really sour. And because it did, now it looks like the one ratted on the other one. Um, and this is weird, because if you think about when FTX went down, which is uh, November the 7th, it says, he writes a tweet on November the 7th saying, it's so powerful learning who your friends are. Very excited to grow with them in the long term. It's not hard to genuinely figure out who cares about customers and who doesn't if you look at the past insanity. 
I don't know. What, what do you think he means there? Then the other two guys. So Nishad Singh and Gary Wang. Remember, these guys got loans from FTX for $554 million and $224 million, which are now recallable. Um, and so, I mean, for those of you who don't know who Gary Wang is, he was the CTO. So that I'll show you in a second what he looks like. Uh, if I have something here of what he looks like, I'm sure I have. That's Trabuco. Okay, so that, that's Nishad. I don't have a Gary Wang picture, but that's Nishad. Nishad's also in, and people are now asking who's next to go to jail. Is it Caroline? Is it Nishad? Is it, uh, is it Gary? Is it, um, is it Dan? Is it the legal advisor, Dan? Um, I think that this guy is in a lot of trouble. This is the guy that was behind the, the big poker scam, Dan Friedberg. Um, so yeah, let, let's see what happens there. Then let's really check on the Binance Bank walk. And specifically, let's check on the Binance. Remember, yesterday there was about 60 or $61 billion in the Binance wallets. Let's see. Obviously, the price came down. So because the price came down, you would expect the number to go a little bit down. 58. Now there's 59.5 billion. So the bank walk is basically not even non-existent. There's not much of a bank walk going on. There is still a lot of FUD. Um, Kim.com says, after our Twitter spaces and my comments about CZ's role in the FTX collapse, I've been contacted by, contacted by Binance, Binance insiders, former and current. The stories they share, not just with me, paint, wild, paint pictures of the Wild West, lawlessness. And I'm certain that CZ Binance, that Binance and CZ have a lot of trouble coming. That was on the December 15th, this was today. So later on today, I'm going to be joining Kim.com on Amario Spaces, um, and we will discuss this. So make sure that you guys tune in. Don't forget, if you want to go, just go to Mario's Twitter page and you know sign up for it. Um, also, Mike Alfred continues to 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 fad, 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 fad. Starting to lose a little bit of credibility with me, to be honest. The other domino that could fall in the market is is DCG, and I mean there are we haven't heard from from uh, Barry Silbert for a month, and lots of questions are being you know asked now about Genesis, and if Genesis goes under. There's a recallable loan to DCG and that could put DCG out of business and people are starting to worry. Uh, Andrew says, chat with Genesis creditors today. Genesis owes more than 2 billion to creditors. Genesis bankruptcy triggers a 1.5 billion in callable loans from DCG and that would make DCG bankrupt which would trigger a huge GBTC liquidation. I don't know if I believe this part because I would probably just sell GBTC and I think that someone like BlackRock would potentially buy it. But hey, who knows? Who am I? I'm just a YouTuber and, you know, those are the smart people. A um, couple of other things. Um, there is a rumor that today we're going to get settlement in the SEC versus um, Ripple case. So I want to just say that rumor is bullshit. There's no settlement happening today. I've spoken to people in circles and they tell me that there's no settlement happening today. Um, that said, though, Charles did say that if Ripple do settle, it's a catastrophe. Listen to this. I've heard rumors that the Ripple case will be settled December 15th, and we'll just see. And that could have catastrophic implications for the industry one way or the other. Uh, but, you know, you just keep moving forward. Uh, you know, regardless of what happens, it's a decentralized ecosystem that you guys control. And the United States of America doesn't get to say uh, that Cardano lives or dies. You do. The world. Okay, that's the point of decentralized ecosystems. Uh, and we're going to work as hard as we can on our side to make that protocol better. But we're just a voice in a course. There's 15 other development companies. There's an MBO on the way. Complete on. I've heard rumors that the Ripple case will be settled December 15th. Okay, so that's we'll that's what he said. He also spoke on a Twitter spaces. I mean, I think you guys heard this, but let me play it again. Charles, any, any prediction on how the impact of this XRP Ripple lawsuit is going to have? Well, that's a little off topic, but I did make it a statement. I heard from a friend of mine who's in the legal circles uh, that there may be a settlement uh, or decision on the summary judgment on December 15th. I think that's before the judge goes on vacation on the 17th. Not if not, it's likely going to get resolved Q1, but I don't have any more information than that. It's just not happening, not happening. Also, okay, so a couple of other things. One is there were a whole lot of influences which were charged by, with uh, fraud by the SEC. I did some digging. These influencers all had a pump and dump scheme on Telegram and on Discord, and they were pumping stocks. They weren't even pumping crypto, but it just shows that people are very, very, very serious about coming after influencers. If you have been following any one of these influencers, well, now you know. Um, I haven't been following them. I don't even know who they are. Um, then 
I saw this. I think we should keep our eyes on Immutable X. Immutable X has grown from five to 100 plus games in 2022, and over 50% of them have been onboarded in the last three months. There's something going on on Immutable X. This you got to watch Immutable X. It's like the third day in a row that I've seen stuff on, on Immutable X. And then I saw that Andre is again tweeting stuff on Phantom. So I think we've got to keep our eyes on Phantom too. Um, where are the boxes? Where, where are the boxes? Can someone get me the boxes? Let's do the, the Christmas promotion first. Um, also, let's look at our bet. So we won one bet yesterday. We won, we lost the Morocco bet. We won the Argentina bet. Time for us to go all in. Time for us to go all in. What do we do? Where do we go? What do we, where do we go for the uh, Argentina-France final? Who do we put our money on for Argentina or France? Phew, this is a tight one. They both played really, really, really well. Where do you put your money? Where, where would you put your money, guys? Tell me in the comments where you put your money. Um, let me guess. It's box number two again, huh? Kyle, is it what box number is it? Okay, so we're doing. Remember, we're going to continue doing this right through the festive season. Um, so let's see, Google. Let's see, uh, Google random number. Anyway, it's two. Of box number two. Of course, it's box number two. 44.6%. Why do you guys keep voting box number two? You kill me. Okay, so what is the count number? The count number today is 1707. What does 1707 win today? It's box number two, right? Yeah. No problem. Let's go. Let's go to box number. We'll go to account number 1707 in a second. Uh, box number one gets, I bet you it's like $50. And then box number two is like, $2,500 and box number three, $750. You want to take a bet? Yes. Okay, box number one says, what's in box number one? I don't know. Holy shit. Oh, holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. What? What? That was the least votes, 23%. They lost. You snooze, you lose. There was $50,000 in box number one. And you guys chose box number two. Put it in my box for tomorrow. I'll give it to them. $50,000. <laughs> there was $50,000 in box number one. And you guys chose box number two. My goodness. Okay, let's look at box number three. Can't be $50,000. $15. <laughs> What's in box number two? Oh, by the way, the 50,000 is not eliminated, right? Or is it eliminated? How does it work? You can have it again. Can happen again. Okay, can happen again. The numbers don't get eliminated. All right, box number not box number two, which is the one that was one. The first one was 50,000. The second one was $15. The third one was $500. You chose box number two. There was $50,000 in box number one. 50000 You saw it. You saw it. Holy shit. Okay, let's go to number 1707. Uh, let's just see which date. There we go. 1707. Let's see who wins $500 when they could have won $50,000 if you guys just didn't vote for the same box every single time. Okay. 1707 we said, right? Let's go to one seven. I cannot believe we're at fifty thousand dollars in the box. Fifty thousand dollars was in that box. Gee, that could have made that could have made someone's Christmas huge. But it doesn't matter. We're gonna do it again tomorrow morning. Carl, you're doing it tomorrow morning. When I do my shows over the festive season, we're gonna to continue to do it. You want to do it? You go to the link below. You sign up with the link below. Uh, uh, you deposit two hundred and fifty dollars into your account, and you don't have to trade. You don't have to do anything. And you can win. And we're going to do at least 10 more of these between now and Christmas. So you've got a chance to win. The winner for this one, for $500, account number 2456-7492. Email giveawayscryptobanter.com, verify identity, and bang, the money will go into your account. That's a simple, that's, it doesn't get better. Than, there was $50,000 in box. Imagine, imagine, imagine $50,000. Raining $50,000. Uh, lastly, remember, that for BitGet, now if you're American, they're not taking any more American customers unless you use a VPN. That's what they said, not me. Um, 
And if you are a customer, you've got nothing to worry about because your IP address ain't going to be blocked. So if you signed up, congratulations. If you didn't, VPN link below, you know what to do. Um, lastly, before we go, I need to know from you, who should I put my money on, Argentina or France? The odds are exactly the same. Is it Argentina? Is it France? France played very, very well yesterday. Argentina played very, very well. Where do you put your money? I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm down $233. I'm, I've got $233. I started with $500. I'm, I've got $233 left. But to what? French is my heritage. I want France, but I'm being realistic. It's equal. It's equal. It's equal. They're all in France. All in on France. Messi, Messi, but Messi, one man can't win a game. Did you see Mbappe last night? Did you see? Did you see Mbappe? Did you see uh, Olivier Giroud? Did you see those guys playing last night? Whew. I'm gonna run a Twitter. I'm gonna run a Twitter poll. Go to my Twitter now at Crypto Man Run. You guys will decide. You guys will be the winners, um, and that'll happen. I'll see you guys again. Wow, it feels so weird not saying tomorrow. It feels so weird, guys. I'll see you guys again. I'll see you when I see you. It might be this side of the year. It probably will be this side of the year. Um, it might be in 2023. No, I'll be back before 2023. But in case I don't see you guys for a few days, first of all, I want to thank you for all your love and all your support. In one of the toughest years of my life and one of the, the one of the, the craziest years that we've had in the crypto market, I want to thank you all for being here through thick and thin. I want to say that, you know, from the bottom of my heart, for those of you who are still here with us, you really, really, really are part of the family. Um, and we appreciate you. There's no, we couldn't be part of this without you. And if you want to party with us at Quantum Miami, then you know, just go to the link below, come to the party. We're giving away 250 free tickets. Only take them if you were in Miami. Um as I said, I think this year has been a very, very, very hard year for me personally. I've taken some very big knocks. Um, I've had some highs. I've had some lows. As I'm sure we all have together, and I think we've shared amazing experiences together. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to wish you guys a happy, healthy, blessed, festive season. And I'm sure I'll speak to you before, but for those of you who don't watch, I want to wish you guys an amazing 2023 filled with health, wealth, peace of mind, happiness, and lots of banter love. See you guys again soon. Until then, trade well, my friends. Now, it, now it, it feels like you should play a Christmas tune. There was 50,000 bucks in that box. Unbe unbelievable. Imagine that. Eh? Imagine and they, they always vote box.